Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Good morning and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. I'm your host, Eric Steven. Uh, Today is another Dodgers Rewind for you, Uh, sort of a a segment we have done for a while uh, where we try to look back at a uh, usually unheralded player uh, in the now 139-year history of the Dodgers, um, dating all the way back to Brooklyn. Uh, Today, our subject is Tommy Brown. Um, Has some memorable moments. I was actually surprised we hadn't done him in a previous Dodgers Rewind, but um, I stumbled across him. Uh, I was looking up something. I forget exactly what I was looking up, but it was. I knew of him for one thing. We'll get to it later. But I stumbled across him for something else, and that made him someone I just had to talk about. So we'll talk about him today. So um, I the, sort of I think I don't know why I was thinking this. I, I I I have like this book of baseball cards uh, that goes back to like mostly the seventies seventies through like mid nineties. Uh, it's mostly like the tops team sets and. I sometimes go through those um, to to try to find some random player, but I was trying to avoid that rough era this time. So I was thinking, what about World War II? What about some of the extra guys who came up when a lot of the regulars uh, were serving in the armed forces, things like that? Um, and one of those was Tommy Brown. So um, he was called up uh, August third, nineteen forty four. Um, he is the youngest player in Dodgers history. 
But not only that, he's the second youngest player in Major League history. So he was 16 years old, 241 days old uh, when he debuted for the Dodgers. It's amazing, right? Think about this. You're, um, you know, probably a junior at that point in, uh, and, you know, possibly a sophomore in high school. Uh, Brown did not go to high school. I believe he dropped out at uh, at 12 and, and just went to work. Um, but he played uh, baseball with his older brother. Um, anyway, um, the only uh, Major League debut younger than Tommy Brown was a pitcher, also during World War II, uh, two months earlier that year, Joe Nuxhall for the Reds. I remember a story uh, when Aaron Harang was on the Dodgers briefly. Uh, this was like, after he was like a really good like horse and strikeout pitcher for like a three four year period, mostly with the Reds, and um, I believe at one point um, one of the years he changed his number, and I I think I asked him something about his number on the Dodgers, and he said it was a, an homage to Joe Nuxhall, who he got to meet when he was with the Reds, and it was a really sweet story, and I did not expect that. Like you know, you never know what you're gonna fine when you ask about some random things like that but that, that was pretty cool so joe nuxall a longtime reds broadcaster after he was playing but imagine pitching in the big imagine pitching in the minors at 15 i know julio urias did it at 16 but pitching in the majors at 15 is wild um so brown still remains the youngest major league position player ever at 16 Again, during World War II, I was looking back uh, this during this period the Dodgers also saw debuts of some super young dudes, um, Chris Hahi uh, in 1943 on his 18th birthday late in the year, uh, catcher Roy Jarvis, uh, shortstop Eddie Miskus, and pitcher Charlie Osgood were all 17 when they debuted in 1944, and then pitcher Irv Pelika in 1945 was 17, just to sort of name a few. So Brown was actually born and raised in Brooklyn, again, quit school at 12, he worked on the docks, he's basically a John Bon Jovi song at this point. Um, he, he played, uh, baseball with his friends on a local neighborhood team or on a bunch of local neighborhood teams, but he didn't, they didn't have an actual field. So sometimes they would, they play like anywhere they could. Sometimes they played on concrete, um, from an interview with, um, Brown at, uh, Sabergraphs, like a few years back, Bill Traher wrote this. Um, this is what Brown said. Uh, it's a funny thing. One day while I was sitting outside on the steps, my first baseman from the local team, told me to go to him, uh, go with him to a Dodgers tryout. We lined up on the field, and they placed a number on my back. I didn't have a glove, spikes, or anything. They had about 3,000 kids there to work out. At the end of three days, I was told to go to Ebbets Field. I was 15 years old and in the last group. They told us all they'd let us know. So shortly after that, uh, within a year, uh, he was on the Dodgers. So what a, what a weird story. But I guess that's sort of the sign of the times, too. They were kind of looking for help anywhere they can find it. Now, um, he started um, 1944 in Newport News. Uh, this was Class B. It wasn't the same. They didn't have the same structure of the miners as they do now, um, but Class B was the second highest level, I guess. I don't know if it was exactly equivalent to AA, but roughly equivalent to AA. That's when he got the call to the majors in August. He was hitting 297 there, doing really well. Um, from... Um, from Brown's Saber bio, written by Paul Rogers, uh, he, he said, When manager Jake Pittler, uh, this is of Newport News, told uh, Brown he was being called up to Brooklyn, he received a surprising response. Tommy told Pittler that he did not want to go, but wanted to finish the year with Newport News because he was hitting real well 
and learning so much. But Pillar said, no, you've got to leave right now. Uh, again, going back to the uh, Trogger um, interview with Brown, I rode that train all night, and I walked into the clubhouse and told him I just got off the train. De- Leo DeRocher said he didn't care that we're playing a doubleheader and that I was playing. <laughs> so 16 years old, all-night train to Brooklyn from Virginia. Um, first game of a doubleheader was uh, left-hander on the mound, Bob Chipman of the Cubs. Uh, Brown batted eighth. He grounded out in his first at-bat. He In his third at-bat, he doubled to left center, and then he scored later that inning. In the second game, he got a, a single in four at-bats against right-hander Claude Passeau. So not a not a bad uh, debut, especially for a 16-year-old. And um, this was in August. And then he started shortstop 43 of the last 57 games uh, in 1944. So uh, all this was all before turning 17. He was pretty bad. Um, he, he struggled mightily, as you might imagine, someone being 16 in the majors even against somewhat depleted competition, um, still the majors. Um, 160 plate appearances, he hit 164. His OPS was 400 on the nose. Uh, OPS plus, which obviously was the rage back then, everyone was talking about it, obviously, uh, was 14. Um, So this, to sort of give you a snapshot of this era, um, Pee Wee Reese was in the Navy during World War II. Uh, So he, he comes up. His first, like, full... He played a a good amount in 1940. First full season, 1941. Dodgers win 100 games, win the pennant. The next year, they win 100 games again, uh, but then lose to an also hot uh, Cardinals team, or they, like, lose out on the pennant to them. And then um, Pee Wee Reese goes into the Navy from 1943 to 1945, and the Dodgers were really struggling to find shortstops. So they had six different players start at least 25 games at short over those three seasons. One of those was Eddie Basinski, who uh, we, he was a Dodgers Rewind subject in uh, January. He passed away uh, in January. He was a concert violinist in addition to baseball playing. Uh, when, again, we talked about him uh, last year, or um, I guess uh, this year, actually. Um, so 1943, this is all without Reese, obviously. Dodgers shortstops had a 5.11 OPS, eighth in the National League, and 40 errors. That was the fourth most. 1944, a 5.24 OPS. That was seventh out of eight teams in the majors. Um, 47 errors, the second highest. Um, 6.44 OPS in 1945. That was fourth best, so they got a little better. But 60 errors in the field were second most at short uh, in 1945. Brown was admittedly a bad fielder at short. He totaled uh, 39 errors in only 101 games and 95 starts there in his first two years. Uh, Leo DeRocher nicknamed uh, Brown Buckshot because his throws were all over the place. (laughs) So, look, baseball had really much better nicknames back then. Um, This is another um, note from that interview with uh, Trager in in Sabergraphs. Uh, Brown said, we had a first baseman, Howard Schultz. He was six foot seven, and I threw the ball over his head and almost to the upper deck. I was ner- uh, never nervous about hitting, but I was nervous in the field when I was first called up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another cool thing about Tommy Brown, um, he remains the only player in National League and American League history to hit a home run before turning 18. He did it twice. This was in 1945 when he was a 17-year-old. Now, he started that year in the minors, too, and then came up later in the year. August 20th, 1945, uh, off the Pirates, Preacher Rowe, who later pitched seven excellent years for the Dodgers, and he won 22 games uh, one year in 1951. And then August 25th, off the Giants, Adrian Zabala. Um, so, yeah, two home runs before turning 18. What did you do before you turned 18? Now, that seems pretty good. So Brown himself um, missed the 1946 season while in the Army. When he returned to the Dodgers, they were a much better team. Um, they had uh, Pee Wee Reese back at shortstop. Jackie Robinson, this new guy, was on the team. And they had a bunch of young future stars um, like, uh, you know, Duke Snyder was really young. Uh, Gil Hodges was really young. Roy Campanella uh, came over in 1948. This was obviously a year later. But so he was off short. Brown was off shortstop. Um, played mostly third base, kind of moved around a little bit. And then after 1947, he kind of was mostly left field. They just sort of, he was more of a utility guy or just an extra guy at that point. So he only played 158 games uh, in those uh, four years, uh, those last four years for Brooklyn. Um, He hit 303 in 1949, part-time duty, 291 with eight home runs in 1950. Um, And this is what I had known Brown for previously. September 18th of 1950, uh, Brown hit three home runs against the Cubs at Ebbets Field. It was the sixth Dodgers game ever with three plus ho- three or more home runs. Four of them came that season in a three three of them in a three week span. Um, earlier in the year, Duke Snyder on May 30th in 1950 uh, did it against the Phillies. Roy Campanella did it that August 26th. Five days later, Gil Hodges had his four homer game against the Braves, and then Tommy Brown on September 18th against the Cubs. So. The balls were really flying out there in 1950 uh, for the Dodgers. They traded um, Tommy Brown to the Phillies in June 1951 for Dick Whitman, an outfielder who, after his playing days, went into advertising for Sterling Cooper Draper Price. So you might have heard about this. Uh, Whitman was actually originally a Dodger, but was sold to the Phillies in November 1949, and then in that trade they got him back. So it was kind of one of those... Um, you know, short-lived um, vacations, I guess, away, and then he was back. So Brown played for parts of three more seasons through 1953 with the Phillies and Cubs. He hit um, uh, 237 with a 67 OPS plus, 15 home runs in his time with Brooklyn. He spent parts of nine years in the majors, 241 with a 75 OPS plus, and 31 career homers, 39 doubles. He was only 25 in 1953 when he played his last major league game, but he did play six more years in the minors, and then after, uh, including parts of two seasons uh, with the LA Angels of the Pacific Coast League, 1954-1955. So he finished his career uh, mostly in Tennessee over the last five years in the minors. Um, there was one thing he did uh, that I believe still stands to this day. Again, back to the Sabergraphs interview with Tommy Brown. 
I went four for four, three for three, three for three, and in between I had six walks. That's 16 straight times to reach base. Then we came to Nashville and they walked me the first four times. That made 20 in a row and a Southern Association record. So he reached base 20 straight uh, plate appearances, which is incredible. Um, Brown settled down uh, in Nashville after that. He, uh, he worked at the Ford Glass Plant, it says, for 35 years before retiring in 1930, 1993. He's still alive. Um, I, I, I was lamenting that uh, a lot of times the thing that triggers me doing a Dodger Rewind is when somebody dies, but he's still with us, so that's cool. And it's good to learn about uh, Tommy Brown, but he is 94 years old today, and that's the story on Tommy Brown. Hope you enjoyed it. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.